want to talk to you about something that I think is probably true of you. You have faced opposition. How do I know that? Because last week we started by talking about that as a leader, um, you have influence. So that means this, in every area of your life, you possess influence. At your workplace, at your school, wherever you are, because you are who you are, you have influence. And because of that, you're a leader. Now, what do we do with that? Because as a leader, if you're not facing opposition, it's coming. Because leadership is not leadership without it. So we can know today that because you're a leader and because you're in this room, you are, opposition's coming. How do we know that according to Scripture? Well, last week we looked into the life of Hezekiah, the king. You can go ahead and begin turning in your Bibles if you choose today to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings 18. As we picked up, Hezekiah was put into place as king at the age of 25. Scripture tells us he reigns 29 years. He knocks down the foreign gods. He takes down the pillars, the Asherah poles. He cleans house when it comes to worship in the kingdom. Now, because of that, people get a little bit mad. Case in point, if you go home today and you identify the things in your household that are taking worship away from God, I can assure you people will be mad. Opposition. Leadership always breeds opposition because leadership leads to places that need a change. And because you are how God built you, today you get to learn about what happens when opposition comes because opposition is going to come. Today as we look at the text, we pick up right in the middle of opposition with Hezekiah. You see, the king of Assyria comes in and he begins to attack the land of Judah, where Hezekiah is king. In fact, he's taken up so much space now that he is on the outside of Jerusalem. And so we pick up there in the text because here in this moment, you will see Hezekiah's response. He, he goes, he says, what can we do? And they said, we want money. And so Hezekiah goes and he takes the gold off the temple. He empties the, the banks. He, he gives them all the money thinking this has to solve it. Have you ever done that when opposition comes your way? You make a, a drastic move and only find out that it wasn't the right move at the time? If you haven't, let me just tell you, leader, opposition's coming. Even when you throw your money at it, opposition is coming. And see, this is where we pick up verse 19. It says this, Then Rebeshehek, uh, said to them, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Syria says. What are you relying on? You think mere words are strategy and strength for war? What are you relying on so that you can rebel against me or have rebelled against me? Look, you are now trusting in Egypt, the splintered reed of a staff that will enter and pierce the hand of anyone who leans on it. This is how Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is to all who trust in him. Suppose you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God. Isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? Saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship at this altar in Jerusalem. I want to stop here by just identifying something. You see, these foreigners, these Assyrians who march into the land of Judah have no concept of who God is. They think he's attached to everything. That in everything that that's God. Um, I want you to check something in your spirit today. This says this, not everything that claims to be spiritual is holy. 
So there's a lot of things that we've seen or heard that claim a holiness but deny the truth of the word of God. And those things are not of God. It has to be truth. Truth outside of truth is a lie. So man, when the Assyrians come in, they say, suppose we trust in the Lord our God, which is a truth. The Lord is our God. But then they say, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? That's a lie. So let's start at the first. Leadership always comes with opposition. It has to. Leadership without opposition is nothing. You know, have you ever seen people that just follow people blindly? It it doesn't matter if there's truth in it. They just, they want the next thing. It's like they move from spiritual thing to spiritual thing, hoping that something is really spiritual at some point. I've seen this. It's an an unquenchable thirst for someone that does something different to be better. And let me just remind you of the truth of the word. Jesus is sufficient. Which means this. Hold on to truth. Check against the word of God. If it seems like extra spiritual but is not of truth, it's not worth pursuing. It'll take your time, your effort, your strength. You see, this is how the enemy works. He gets to your gates, doesn't he? just like the Assyrians are at Hezekiah's. And then they demand of you more than you have. And then when they've taken that, they're going to say to you, what are you trusting in? I don't know if you've ever had a crisis of belief like that. A moment where the enemy has taken all that he can from you, and you feel like you're at the bottom rung, and then he says of you, whatever you trusted in is worthless. Have you been there? This is that moment of crisis for Hezekiah. It's a moment of crisis for us today. To identify when we feel we're at the bottom rung, when we feel like there's nothing else to give. We have this moment with the enemy where he says to you, what are you trusting in? Look where it's got you today. And where we have a moment where we can declare something great back. We'll get to that. You know why leadership has to have opposition is because when opposition comes, leadership rises. Leadership is like a kite. A kite doesn't flow because it floats into the wind. How does a kite flow? Against it. And when you catch wind and you're against the wind, you rise. And that's the greatness of the glory of God is that it's not on your strength or your might that you will rise in your leadership ability or capabilities or influence. It's based upon what God allows in your life that would raise you up so that you point to him. I don't know the last time you flew a kite. I guess it was within the last year. We, I took my kids out. and We were on this grass lot over here by the church, by the baseball field. And, and we started running. And we kind of got the kites up. And they would fly for a little bit until the wind changed. And then what does the wind do to your kite? Like Charlie Brown. So we did that over and over again. We could get the kites up for a little bit, but the kites that we had were these little flimsy, tiny, like, cartoon character ones. Y'all know the kind I'm talking about that when you have a parent that doesn't want to spend a lot of money on a kite? um, Like, yay, a kite. Congratulations. That's not going to last. But, I mean, we'd fly them, and they were pitiful, and they'd get up, and they'd But, man, we tried at it, and we tried at it, and we tried at it. You know that moment when you're flying a kite and you finally pull it to where it rises and it stays? And you go, look what I have done. Because, you know, clearly 
you're holding it up in the air. What happens when you let go? What does the kite do? Now, it doesn't just fly away, does it? That would be awesome, because we would all do that with kites. We'd be like, look, oh, you know. What does it do? It crashes. No opposition. You see, God was raising Hezekiah to be a great king. He was raising Hezekiah to be a king that would lead his people well, that would follow after his heart. And listen, before we feel poor Hezekiah in our hearts, doesn't God always run into opposition from us? Doesn't he always have this tension from us that we don't want to do what he's called us to do? We don't want to follow after his will. We don't want to worship the way he wants us to worship. God is a good God. And in this moment, they start to tell these untruths about Hezekiah and about God. I mean, they say clearly he's taken down all the things of God and he just wants you to worship the way he wants to worship. And in this moment, you got to know a truth that we get today is this. There is always a lie bigger than the threat. There is always a lie bigger than the threat. In your life, there is always going to be a lie bigger than the threat. You ever had this moment? We're never going to climb out of this. This is the worst we've ever gotten to. What are we going to do next? You know, I've, I've often had these moments in my life where I'll call my dad and say, Dad, I don't know how to climb out of this. And my dad gives me good advice like, the sun will rise tomorrow. That's how you get over this. Dad, I don't know if we're going to make it through this. And he goes, well, you know what, son, the month will turn. Isn't that true of the, the threats that you felt in your life? The lies that you've believed? Things like this. We are financially ruined. We'll never climb out of this debt. We'll never make it through this. But the sun rose the next day, didn't it? You see, the lie is always bigger than the threat. The threat can't survive because the sun will rise. The lie, though, will take you to places you don't want to go, make you believe things that are untrue, and make you scarier than you've ever had to be. That's why we have to hold on to truth. As the scripture goes on, Hezekiah finally does what's right. Chapter 19, he goes to see Isaiah. He visits with him and he just says, what do we do? I mean, talk to God for me. Um, share with me, what, what do we do from here? And, and Hezekiah gives some advice, but I just want you to pick up in, in chapter 19, verse 3. They say to him, this is what Hezekiah says. Today is a day of great distress, rebuke, and disgrace. For children have come forth to the point of birth, there is no strength to deliver them. Perhaps Yahweh our God will hear, and all the words of Rehoboshech, uh, whom he, his master, the king of Syria, sent to mock the living God and will rebuke him for the words that Yahweh your God has heard. Therefore offer a prayer for the surviving remnant. It's a sad prayer. You see, Hezekiah sends someone, and he says, there's very little left. We're in distress. What should be great is now bad. Ask God to help us. I love what Isaiah says back to them. In verse 6 it says, Tell your master this, the Lord says, Do not be afraid. Because the words you have heard the king of Syria's attendants have blasphemed me with. I'm about to put a spirit in him, and he'll hear a rumor and return to his own land, where I'll cause him to fall by the sword. <laughs> that, 
That's awesome. I mean, that's that moment of, oh, snap, right? I mean, when you've, you're believing a, a lie, when you're believing this untruth, when, when you've held on to something that's not of God, and now you have an opportunity to hear from God, to, to hear him move in a way when he says this, quit listening to the wrong things. Just know that I'm God. And when you get in my way, just watch what happens when you get in the way of Yahweh. Something big's about to happen. It does. God keeps his word. I love this. The messenger goes back to see the king who's locked into another war. And he goes to tell him, hey, listen, we got these guys on the ropes. This is the untrue statement of the year. Isn't it funny sometimes where Satan has moved in a place that he knows very well and good he can't win. And when God's saints start to do the things that they're supposed to do, something big's about to take place. Listen, leader, the response of great leadership is to pray before we move. The response of great leadership is to pray before we move. You see, Hezekiah should have started there. Instead, he goes to the source and he says, what do you want from me? He gives away the money. Then he says, now what? And they say, we're going to take everything. <laughs> we don't want the money. We want your life. And finally, Hezekiah goes, all right, let's go to the Lord. And when he goes to the Lord, the Lord goes, hey, enough of the disbelief, enough of the lies. Let me show you the truth. And out comes the truth that God has already been winning the war. So Hezekiah then starts a prayer that I think we need to hear today. Chapter 19, starting at verse 15, he says, Hezekiah prays to the Lord. Lord God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. Listen closely, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Hear the words of Shinacherib, who was the king of Assyria has sent to mock the living God. The Lord is true that the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations in their lands. They have thrown their, gods, thrown their gods into the fire, for they are not gods but made by human hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, Lord our God, please save us from his hand so that all the kings of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. You see, this is where Hezekiah should have started. You see, I think the gold would have still been on the doors. The money still been, that had been saved still in their lockdowns. This is where we need to start as well. You see, his leadership always has opposition. What are you going to do when the heat turns up is the question. What are you going to do when you're pressed and pressured and feel like there's no escape from it where are you going to do where are you going to go when you're at the bottom rung and they're still demanding of you something you see this is the moment where you and I look to scripture and we get an idea of what we do next we go to someone bigger than us we go to God when the battle is on and let me just tell you today the battle is on opposition's already there you may not be addressing it, but opposition's waiting for you. It doesn't sleep. It doesn't wait. It's there. It's knocking at your door. It's ruining your families. It's trying to cut off your future. It's waiting for you. Opposition's there. What are you going to do? Because when it shows its face, your face, 
that are effacing gods. That's how you beat opposition. You go to someone bigger than yourself. Let's not kid ourselves. In our own strength, in our own might, we don't have what it takes to beat the opposition back. You're not capable. On your own strength and your own might, at best, you can have a good day. But see, opposition knows your number. It knows your weaknesses. It knows where you're tender, what makes you tear your stuff down. It knows how to get to your family. Opposition knows how to ruin your workplace. Opposition knows. But see, something the opposition doesn't get is that you know someone better than the opposition. When Hezekiah finally figures this out, he begins to remember that God has a plan. You see, the battles that seem great before you are small before God. The battles that seem great before you are small before God. Have you felt this in your life? Those of you that have added some intelligent white and gray hairs like I have to this goatee of mine, know that when opposition comes, it lies to you. That opposition will tell you that you're done. That opposition will tell you that there's no way of escape. That opposition will tell you that at best, you're going to be bogus at life. That's not what God says, is it? I've said this many times in this pulpit, and I'll say it again. Something that impacted my life like never before was the words of the preacher T.D. Jakes when he says this. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to have a Bible study with the enemy and remind them what God says about you. It's time to go, okay, I know you're here, enemy, because opposition's here. So let me just tell you what I am. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. Or maybe it's just like you heard this morning, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I know I feel weak today, opposition. I know I feel discouraged. However, I don't think you knew, but my friend Jesus Christ died for me. And because of that, I can get through this day because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Sometimes, church, you got to know if you want to be a leader. And I told you, because you have influence, you are. Today, you've got to start taking that serious. You got to take your place. As a leader, you must go to the very feet of the one who leads all this stuff. The wind, the waves, the oceans, gravity, the earth, the stars, the moon, the sun. Can I just tell you something today? I love scientists. I believe there's a place for science in our world. Do you agree? I pray that they discover new stuff that God invented all the time. I love that they've identified that things get smaller and smaller and bigger and bigger all the time because that just proves how microscopic my God can move and how big he can move. I'm always thankful. They just keep showing up, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit all the time. I'm like, thank you. Keep going. Can I just tell you today, the God that crafted this world, the God that crafted your DNA, the God that crafted the sun and the moon and the stars crafted you. And he put you at this place, at this time, not so that you would just buckle down to the enemies waiting at your gates, but so that you would rise like a kite. 
You know, the song that we play as this series begins is by this group named Johnny Swim. They wrote this song, Diamonds, when they were ticked off. <laughs> they had gone through some times of trying to record some music and, and no one was buying their stuff. And they were mad. So the husband in the group sat down and he began to write out some words. He just talked about how people's words had destroyed them, how their plans had been wrong for them, and that all the mountains that were before them were about to turn into fields because they were diamonds rising above the dust. So they sang that song, and every time they get on stage to sing it, they would sing it passionately, I mean almost angrily. And it's just him and a guitar and his wife, and I mean they would just rage in that song. As believers, they said that it was almost a moment where they set their Christian walk aside and just lived in the anger. And then one day they went to the cancer center for children. They were asked to do a concert and for whatever reason they left that song in. And then as they sang it, they began to see these children that were rising above the dust. And from then on, it changed how they sang it. We heard them sing at Catalyst some years ago, and they sang that song. And then they just said these words. As Christians, it is our job to rise above the dust so that we can point people to Jesus and his saving power. That's what leaders do. That's why leaders have to have opposition. So that we can rise above the dust and not so that we can be known. You've seen leaders that do that. Leaders that show up and, and pop their jerseys. Leaders that rise up and abuse their powers. Leaders that rise up and, and dictate everything that everybody else in this world will do. You've seen those leaders. But God is looking for the Hezekiahs of our world that will turn their face towards him. That will stop in their leadership and say to themselves, I can't be the best leader in the planet, but I can belong to one. I'm not going to be the le you know, best husband in this world, but I know one that can show me how. I'm not going to be the best wife or mother, but I know someone that can show me how. I may not be the best CEO, garbage collector, teacher, principal, student, whatever you are, but we can belong to someone who is. It is time that we start pointing our lives towards someone that can change our lives and our outcomes. You can do that today. Our praise team is about to come and begin playing, but I want to give you the last part of the scripture as they do. You see, this isn't the end of Hezekiah's time on this earth. In fact, we're going to keep going and spending some time with him as we continue in this series, but... This part of his story has all but finished. You see, because at the end of chapter 19, God answers Hezekiah's prayer. It says that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When the people got up the next morning, there were all dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and left, and he returned home and lived in Nineveh. You know, I, I think that there's a, a stark reminder in this for us. Some of you have been fighting opposition in your life for way too long. 
you have, over time, started to believe this lie, that this is just how your life's going to be. That perhaps in some way, you're just going to have to live defeated. Because that's God's plan for you. That maybe God's just planned that you're going to live a defeated life for the rest of your life. That the enemy is just going to camp outside your doors for the rest of your life. Whatever it is you brought in today, it may be addiction, it may be pornography, it may be a, a bad marriage, it may be a bad lifestyle, whatever it is. Maybe you brought that with you today and you believe for some crazy reason that's just going to stay at your doors the rest of your life. That is not the God I serve. You see, my God takes those that camp at your doors to a foreign camp and he says to them, you won't rise tomorrow. You know how I know I'm God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of your forefathers. I am the God of Hezekiah who can take the enemies outside your door and defeat them on a soil that's not even yours so that you'll know how big and vast and powerful my love is for you. Listen, leader. You are meant to be a kind and a generation of soil dwellers. Rise up. Let the opposition come, but when it comes, remind it of something. Our God is bigger. Our God is better. And he doesn't have defeated kites. He has glorious kites that rise above the dust and declare to the world, I am God. There is only one. And let me show up in your life. Today, you may be struggling. You may be bewildered. You may be bitter today because the opposition's coming. It kept knocking at your door and you didn't know what to do about it. Today is the day to turn that over face to face before a holy God. And just to declare today, I'm not staying here anymore. So let me ask you to do something bold today. Let me ask you to do something revolutionary today. Today is the day to bring your opposition to the altar and to tell God, I'm leaving it here for you to kill it. Deal with it, God. He is big enough. He is loving enough. And believe me, he wants you to be whole. So tell him, God, this is the enemy at my door, and I'm leaving it right here. Today is your day to bring your broken marriages, to bring your broken hearts, to bring your brokenness, to bring your addictions, and leave them at the feet of Christ. And just declare to him, I can't do this on my own. I've sold everything I have. I've gone to the bottom rung, and I don't want to live here anymore. Let's let today be a day of two things. The death of the old and the birth of the new. Because he can create in you a new heart today. He can start a new life for you today. But you're going to have to let something die. Today is the day to declare to God, listen to what the enemy has said about you. He said that I'm conquered. He said that I'm worthless. He said that I'm nothing. But that's not what you say. I believe today if you'll trust God for what he says about you, you can experience something you've never experienced before. And I'm going to tell you, you'll start the clock of the death of your enemy. It's coming. It's coming. Are you ready to lay your enemy down today? Let me pray for you. And now I'm going to ask you, as soon as I say amen, you're going to stand. Our praise team's going to start singing. You come and let's have a funeral to the death of our enemy. 
and declare today newness has begun. Let's pray. Father in heaven, move, Lord, in your spirit. May today be a day of the old being dead and the new being birthed in us. May the enemy know and hear right now you are defeated because of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is our advocate. He is the one that loves us. He lives in us and through us. And today we declare we want to be kites that rise in a generation of those who desire to live in the dirt. God, we choose to live for you. So may we put our opposition to death today that declares anything but truth about what you say in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his sake. And the church says, amen. Stand to your feet and you come right now this morning. Let's put it to death. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning surrounded by such a large crowd of witnesses let us lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us let us run with endurance the race set before us keeping our eyes on jesus the only source and perfecter of our faith for who endured our shame and has now sat down at the right hand of god's throne
Turning back. 